one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, you know what? Most of you are old enough or young enough, I guess, depending on how you see, that you remember that Sesame Street bit when you count to 12. Uh, I won't put that in your that earworm in your head anymore. We'll be right back to talk about where your employer brand lives. Welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal, to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, at the War for Talent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So housekeeping starts very quickly. We got RecruitCon coming up in like two weeks. Uh, yeah, got to make sure I'm ready for that. And then we've got uh, Talent Brand Summit in Austin in June, which I will be at but not speaking at, but a lot of smart people will be there. And finally, I'm going to be at SRSC in Austin in August. So there you go. Other piece of housekeeping news, I just want to alert you to let you know that I'm going to take part of the summer off from this podcast. I think uh, I want to make sure, my, my thinking is this, I want to make sure that each and every one of these things is worth your money. I mean, you clearly are spending a lot of money listening to what I have to say, clearly, uh, but I want to make sure it's worth it. If you're going to spend 15, 20, 25 minutes, you know, listen to this voice, sorry, um, I want to make sure it's worth it. I want to make sure I'm never, ever going to be that podcast that keeps going long after it should just, just shut up. Uh, for those of you at the Ch- uh, Chad and Cheese show, shut it. Don't make any jokes about it. It's been long, long since ready. Me to, it's been long since time for me to shut up. Um, anywho, so that's also, by the way, you should listen to Chad and Cheese. They're great. So let's get into it. Uh, oh, and, oh, the details on vacation. Probably going to take uh, July and August off. So, so you get a couple more episodes before I take the actual vacation off. I'm actually trying to schedule what I'm going to talk about a little bit this time. So if you have any thoughts, you have any questions, you have any problems you'd like me to attack, I want to hear about them, obviously, on Twitter, at The War for Talent, or I got LinkedIn, I got the website, I got all sorts of places. I'm on Facebook groups that you're on, and you know, I'm around. So find me, ask me good questions, ask me bad questions. I like bad questions. I'm in the middle of interviewing, and uh, every single one I ask, what's your, what's the dumbest question you can think to ask me? And it's fairly enlightening. <laughs> I love a good dumb question. Let's get, stop trying to impress me. Let's get to the dumb questions. Let's get to the stuff you really need to know. Anyway, so where does your employer brand live? Now, we've talked a bit about this before, for those of you who've heard the bird's nest uh, metaphor, and I've stolen it. So I, again, wish I remember where I stole it from, but it's stolen, so not mine. Uh, a brand, any brand, is effectively a bird's nest. It's built out of what is found laying around. So if you are in charge of a brand, employer, consumer, what have you, that brand lives in people's minds. And if you want to change that brand, you don't tell people, hey, the brand is now X. Coca-Cola never says, hey, we're all about this now. Or I, I, I'm, I'm spitballing. I don't know why I have Coca-Cola in the head. Um, you know, They're not going to say, hey, we're all about um, we're the sweetest soda. We're the sweetest brand. They're not going to do that. Uh, and if they do, it's not going to work because you have a perception of what Coca-Cola is all about, and I have a perception of what Coca-Cola is all about, and it's based on a million different interactions. And telling me that Coca-Cola is now about this being the sweetest brand in the world 
however one defines that, and that was a spitball answer, so there you go, um, means nothing. It's about what my interactions are and what my perceptions are. In the same way, if you want to tell a bird to build a different nest, you don't tell the bird, here's the new blueprints, make a different nest, this is how this works. You change what is laying around. You want the bird to build a bigger nest, you give it longer sticks. Make sure those sticks are laying around, easier to find, easier to collect. You get rid of the shorter sticks. If you want it to have... Uh, I don't know, if you change the location from Chicago to the forest, you're going to get fewer coffee stirrers. You know, that's how you change the bird's nest. You change what's laying around. The bird's going to build the nest. You can't stop the bird from building the nest. It is in its DNA to say, I need to build a nest. Um, Just like it's in our brains to say, I'm going to create a pattern out of all these perceptions I've had. I'm going to take all these inputs, all these touch points, all these ideas, and I'm going to form a shape because my brain is super efficient. And rather than remember each and every single touch point, I'm going to remember the overall impression. That is the thing we call a brand, employer or not. So when it comes to employer brand, yes, the employer brand lives in each individual's minds, but how is it shaped? How is it formed? Well, there are three big ways this happens. The first, it happens when they're a passive candidate. It happens before they're even interested in looking for a job. There's a lot of different, we're gonna break this down in a second, calm down, I'm not gonna leave you hanging, you know me, that's how I hang. You're not gonna, you know, you're you're gonna create an impression before they even show up to looking for a job. Even before they go onto that big old job board based out of Austin, and when they type in that job title or that, you know, their anticipated job title or their location or types of jobs, and they get the laundry list of all these open available positions, when they start to scan those logos, they like you or don't like you already, chances are. Chances are. Now, if you're a teeny tiny brand, maybe you get to avoid this, but that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a different thing. But the brand is formed ahead of time. Then once they're looking for a job, once they're in an active mode, not just an active active candidate mode, but also an active seeking mode, right? Those impressions are happening because they're looking for them. They're they're actively considering those brand impressions before they put them back into their uh, brain and say, okay, this shapes my understanding of the brand this way. Then finally, there's the actual process of interviewing and the candidate experience process. Each one of these steps, these three steps, we can break out in a second, but each one of these three steps is very different, right? Each one of these, the farther you go along the process, means the depth to which any given interaction impacts their overall perception of the brand gets stronger in general. There are exceptions to the rule. But the closer you get to that higher, the more each and every single touch point matters, right? So let's talk about, first off, the passive brand, the passive cam- the ca- passive uh, candidate, and how they're absorbing information about your brand, right? Couple of different ways that happens. First, consumer brand. Turns out, turns out if you drive a VW, a Volkswagen, and you're really mad about how they really did some stupid stuff with some emissions testing and some numbers, you might not be so inclined to apply for a job. What the consumer brand does impacts what the employer brand does. Honestly, Google is the poster child for this. For the longest time, they spent almost no, and I mean, this is a while ago, they spent almost no money on employer brand. They didn't have to. They knew you used Google Mail or Gmail. They used Maps and that you used News and that you used their search tools and all these other things that you had such a great positive brand impression that the employer brand just kind of followed suit, right? I remember the early days of Google when my librarian 
uh, friend. Let's let's stick to friend, shall we? Um, not ex-wife. That's not. There's no need to go into that, is there? Really? No, I didn't think so. <clears throat> Where my librarian friend was enamored with Google the very very early. This is uh, in the '90s, late '90s, um, because Google was about cleanliness of search. It was fast. It was efficient. There wasn't 17,000 ads. And she had such a powerful impression over it, she put a sticker on her car because of that. She loved that company. She loved the Google brand. This was when they had their original logo, the, the Serifs. I know, right? Um, so she loved that brand. And she actively thought about maybe working there. She thought there was a great company, right? You do great consumer work, the employer brand gets to follow suit. Both directions, positive and negative. It works both ways. Second, news. Again, Volkswagen, turns out if the company is screwing a bunch of people over, you're less inclined to work for them. Call me crazy, right? Even if it's the most amazing place to work, if it turns out that amazing work you're doing is poisoning the environment or poisoning people's souls or, I don't know, making some jerk richer just for no reason other than the sheer joy of it, uh, you're not inclined. You know, if it turns out that you're working for a company and even if you worked there and you had great perks and great salary and great experience and all that good stuff, but it turns out the work you're doing is putting people out of work and putting people out of their homes and evicting people and making people go hungry and the news covers that, uh, guess what? That has an impact on your employer brand. Thirdly, your word of mouth network, right? When your best friend comes home and hangs out with you and you're having a drink or a coffee or a wine or a watching a movie or going to a place and whatever you do, I don't know you well enough to say what you're doing in your free time. If they say how much they love their job or how much they hate their job, that helps form an impression, right? It's the friend who's, I have, there's a great story. This is way back, not way back, this is a couple years ago, in my agency days, there's a guy who I will not name, but everybody who worked at my agency knows exactly who I'm talking about. He worked as an analyst, and he he was one of those people who loved to tell you how busy he was. He loved to tell you what a martyr he was. He loved to tell you how hard he worked and how hard his job was. And he would spend, I mean, this is months, months and months and months lamenting as loudly as he could. He would go to other departments and other areas of the office just to tell everybody how late he's had to stay that night because the, the numbers were so crazy and he had to do all blah, 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 blah by hand. So then he gets a new job. And then he says, oh, well, to make it easier, I, want, I need to help recruit somebody for this job. I'm like, well, you've poisoned the well for everybody in this company who has heard you whine and bitch and moan about how hard and thankless your job was. Guess what? No one's inclined to work, right? The wing word of mouth hits you, that matters. That has a huge impact. Fourthly, uh, employer brand marketing, right? Now, there's not a lot of employer brand marketing, and I'm going to ignore the GE example because I am, because it's overwrought and we've all talked about it and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about the when you, when you as a good employer brand person push out content and you tell good stories about people, not, hey, here's a job, come work for us, here's a job, come work for us, here's a job, come work for us, because you're not a spammer, are you? Are you? You're not, are you? Good, don't do that. So when you're pushing out stories about people or about your product or about the impact you have, that's that's employer brand marketing, right? You're broadly trying to raise awareness of your brand to people who are not actively looking for a job. And if you do a good job with that, it helps support the, support the overall brand impression. And if you don't do a good job with that, or if you don't do it at all, you're, well, you're, you're making a gap. You're lacking, you're not using every possible lever or lever to get people to understand what your brand is all about. Finally, the recruiter. I love recruiters, hate them, love them, all the same together. Uh, I have such a, a fascinating love-hate relationship with recruiters. Um, they do a 
hard job, and it's a job I would never, ever, ever want to do or, frankly, be good at. Um, but they get in their own way, right? Most like most, like most of us, uh, we are our worst enemies. Um, the recruiters who are tasked with finding people and bringing them in and are desperate to extend their reach as far and as wide as humanly possible tend and are incentivized in many ways to spam, right? They send, they, 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 they pop open that LinkedIn recruiter seat and they say, how many emails am I allowed to send? 500, fantastic, I'm sending 500 today. Have you looked at 500 profiles? No, but I did a search and here's 500 people who might vaguely, sorta, kinda, if you squint real hard, be interested in this job and I'm gonna spam the hell out of them in a way that makes it sound like I'm a spammer. Hi, I'm a recruiter for blah, blah, blah company and I'd like to talk to you more about this job. I don't know you very well, obviously, because otherwise the subject line and the message would actually be tailored to whoever the hell you are. But would you like to look for a job? What? My response rate is less than 1%? Shocking! Stunned. Anyway, when a recruiter reaches out and does a crap job and does the spam job of pitching their company, guess what? People remember that was a spam. People remember that was a crap pitch. People remember that brand negatively. Right? When we talk when recruiters talk about how I'm just spamming people or I'm just emailing people and it's okay, there's always more fish in the sea or you know, whatever, I'll get them later when the stars align or things work out. It's like, no, you're poisoning the well. You're doing a horrible job. You're pissing people off before you're really ready for them or before they know much about you. Especially if they don't know much about you and that the only interaction they have with your brand is this crappy recruiter reaching out and, and spamming the hell out of them. That guess what? You have a negative perception of that employer brand you're never getting them back or you're going to have to work three times as hard to get them back. Yeah, it costs you very little to send that email, but what it costs you in opportunity down the road, huge. Don't do it. At the same time, a recruiter who reaches out and says, hey, you're doing really interesting work. I thought you might like to see this thing. It's an article my company wrote about this thing that you're also interested in. Thought you'd appreciate it. Got to go buy and starts to deliver value and utility and experience and helpful and is helpful to the person and does it three or four times before they say, hey, would you be interested in looking, talking about a job? That, that's a good recruiter. And that creates positive impression of the brand. That, that everybody in that company is not focused on converting the sale and closing the deal and hiring the person immediately, regardless of who they are. That they're about adding value and helping each other out. That's huge advantage in your employer brand. Quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help. And that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us. Simple as that. Just review us wherever you get podcasts, share us on social media, say nice things about us or complain about us. I, that really is completely fair. Uh, that's all we really ask. That's all. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show. Okay. So that's how people passively create your perception of your employer brand. What happens when they start looking for a gig? Well, here's the breakdown. First, search, meaning anything digital in which they search, excluding social and Glassdoor, which we'll get to separately. Um, this means, it, you know, if you find that you're interested, vaguely interested in a company, you search their name on Google, and it turns out that they're beating up seals and 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 Heiling Hitler and all this other good stuff that no one, no good person wants to be associated with. Yeah, that's they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. They're gonna do that search now. Would they have done that search if they weren't looking for your brand? No, because they don't care. You think I'm searching things randomly just because to see what the response is? No, I have a question. That question comes from a need. I search for it. I answer that need. I state that need. I walk away. 
And if I'm not looking for a job, why on earth would I Google your brand? So if I'm Googling your brand, and by Googling I mean searching, uh, it's because I'm starting to become vaguely interested, which means I'm looking at things leaning forward. I'm focusing on what you have to say and what people are saying about you and what you're doing. And that news, where previously, passively, if you're a big enough brand, it was sort of kind of entering my head, I might remember it. Now I definitely remember it. In fact, if I see negative stuff, I might immediately reject your brand out of hand and no longer look at it and no longer consider applying there. Right, So news plays an impact, but it's different than in the passive space where you're passively absorbing it. Now you're leaning forward. Now you're focusing on it. Now you're searching for it. You're hunting for it. It impacts immediately. Next, LinkedIn or and or your network, meaning who do you know who works at this company? Who do you know who knows someone who works at this company? Everybody knows how to do the LinkedIn coffee dance. Hey, you're a friend of a friend. Would you mind if I you know, bugged you for 30 minutes or bought you a cup of coffee to ask you about your experiences of working here? That's the network. That's you figure out who works there. You figure out what their experience is. You hear what they're all about from the horse's mouth, so to speak, right? All about LinkedIn. And that LinkedIn enables that, for better or for worse, I have mixed feelings on LinkedIn. Really, James, do you? Yeah, I know, shocking. Let's, let's move along. Um, yeah, LinkedIn network is a huge impact. So if it turns out that you treat your employees poorly, guess what? This is how they find out. <laughs> well, it's one of the ways. Then we have social. And here I've lumped in Glassdoor. Glassdoor, not a social channel. It's just not. It's just not. Come on, you have to squint real hard to think of Glassdoor as a social channel. It's not what it's there for. The same way that YouTube is a social channel. No one is socially interacting. They're just dropping painful comments and walking out the door. Maybe they're watching videos or maybe they're doing research, but either way, I, you can't call it a social network. But in this case, it is social in that it is people, individuals who work there, who are talking about their experience of working there and leaving it for other people to find, right? And that's, you know, people you know, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's LinkedIn, it's Instagram, it's all those places. It's also Glassdoor, right? If you are not understanding how Glassdoor and all those social networks are impacting your employer brand, wake the hell up. Frankly, if I have to tell you that Glassdoor impacts your employer brand, I don't know what podcast you've been listening to the last year or two. Yeah, stop it. I mean, again, Glassdoor has its failings and has its flaws and faults, and yes, uh, there you go. But at the same time, super valuable. People definitely look there. People definitely keep an eye on it. And it's the companies who say, well, or the, the, the individuals who say, well, when I look for jobs, I don't look. Well, good for you. I've got the data that says they do, and that's fine that you don't, but it deeply impacts. You have to be aware of what people are saying about you. And you have to be able to find a way to frame that in such a way that aligns with the rest of your brand, right? If people are making a bird's nest in their heads and mostly they have twigs, but they also have string, the floppy string that's not helping them, how do they turn add those things together to create a perception? How do they add up, right? Events and career fairs, I know that in a lot of places, mostly in Europe, career fairs and events are still huge. Uh, in the States, not as much, depending. There are a handful of places where they, little pockets of places where they matter, but mostly they've not really made a huge impact. University, I think, is, is a big one that comes to mind. But in Europe, still a big thing. Um, what are you saying? These are people who are looking for a job. Why would they show up if they weren't actively thinking about looking for a job, putting them in the active mindset? They're absorbing. They're looking to absorb information about your brand, and you have to deliver it to them. Finally, the recruiter. Again, oh, don't you worry. They show up again for a third time in a second. Hold on. So recruiters, if you are interacting with a recruiter, and I've had this happen myself, uh, and this was at a, a big-name company, uh, a good-named company, who reached out, wanted to talk to me, 
I talked to them. We had a good conversation. Talked to a hiring manager. <sighs> Nothing since then. I got completely ghosted. How positive do I feel about that brand now? Pretty damn bad. Pretty damn bad. I'm not thrilled with that brand. And if they came back to me, guess what? I'm going to put the screws to them. Not that they're coming back to me and not that this is any in the recent history. But if they came back to me and say, oh, hey, I know we, you know, they're, first off, they'll probably forget that they talked to me at all. Isn't that usually the case? Isn't that fun when you read those exit interviews or those um, candidate interviews or Glassdoor reviews? They say, I love it when the recruiter calls me the third time and, go, and, ha and pretends they haven't met me. It's like, hi, um, I'm reaching out for this job. I'm like, I know you ghosted on me once already and I'm not talking to you. Right? See, see how that, that experience early on impacts the employer brand? That person is dead to you. That candidate is gone. Gone, 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 gone. I mean, you're going to have to buy a cake and deliver it to them with a I'm so sorry message to it to even get them to even think about coming back. So what the recruiter does during the interview process matters. The reach out. Do they ghost? Are they timely? Are they giving good information? Are they clearly pitching, pitching, pitching and not listening, 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 which they should be? What is the interaction overall with the recruiting and the recruiting team? Is it good emails? Is it spams? Is it, here's another thing, is it clearly automated? Do you feel like you're actually talking to a person who listens to you and cares about you? Or not? Forms the employer brand. Okay, so now we have the third big section. This is an easy breakdown. First off, the recruiter again. Shocking. In the process of showing up to the interview, do they give good feedback? Do they follow up? Hey, how was your conversation? Here's what I heard. Here's what's going on. Here's what I know. Here are the next steps. Don't ever feel lost. We all Here's, here's when we're going to talk to you next. That is a great recruiter. And they are all over the place. Sadly, there are also a lot of crappy recruiters all over the place, and they give the good recruiters a bad name. But a good recruiter, you know what a good recruiter is. You've had them. You are them. You are surrounded by them. That don't discount the power of what they do to your employer brand. If you've gotten this person all the way down the pipe, all the way through the funnel, and they have learned about you passively, and they've learned about you actively, and they considered applying, and they applied, and they've even started to show up for the interview, they're on the positive side somehow. Don't go screwing it up now. Make sure the recruiter understands that they are not in the driver's seat, that just because the person has a positive impression right now doesn't mean that doesn't turn off in a heartbeat if they screw up, if they do something bad, if they lie, if they obfuscate, if they don't send the right materials, if they disappear for two weeks, whatever it is. There's all sorts of different ways recruiters can screw this up, but there's also so many different ways recruiters can add value. Hey, just to let you know, this is when we're going to call you back. We're still in the middle of looking for people, but at the, uh, the managers were really positive on you. So I'm hoping to come back to you in two weeks with good news and figure out next steps. Just wanted to let you know. That's a great recruiter letting you know where you are in the process. Companies internally are a mess. There's, what they do when it comes to recruiting is so sloppy and scary and crazy. The candidate experience is a nightmare, which is why so many people talk about it all the time. A good recruiter kind of cuts through that rabble and says, here's what's going on. Think of it as the trail of breadcrumbs through a very, very, very dark and scary forest. That's what a good recruiter can do. And it definitely impacts the employer brand. Finally, the hiring manager the forgotten element of the employer brand, the hiring manager. This is when you put all your chips on the table and you push them in and you say, I'm all in. You've gotten someone, you've hooked them in, you've gotten past whatever crazy complicated 
perception of your employer brand they created passively. You've gotten them in there, you got them to apply, they did their research, they saw your flaws, they saw the, you know, the warts and all and they still said, "Okay, there's still something here I think I could make something out of. This still could be positive for me. I can still see how I would succeed and I would grow and I can help myself because they're the hero of their own story, remember?" And I still get it and the recruiter was good to me and they got me through the they got me through the forest and here we are with the interview with the hiring manager who didn't show up or who looked at their email the whole time, or who showed up five minutes late and didn't apologize, or was super aggressive and I didn't care for that, or was a jerk, or treated their employees bad in a, in a panel interview, or, 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 or. Every negative connotation in that moment, in that half hour, hour, however long you interview with the hiring manager, that moment, that is hugely impactful, right? That is, that's the saffron you put in a cake. Right? Just a teeny little bit can make a huge impact. They're positive or negative, whatever direction you put them in, it spins it. And that's why interview training for hiring managers is so crucial. Hiring managers have a busy job. Everybody has a busy job, I know. But they have a completely separate busy job. They're managing their business. They're managing their team. They're running. They're doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. The hiring or recruiting part is secondary in their minds. Right? Half the time, that's what they look for recruiters for. You do that. Well, okay, well, we'll do our part, but you have to do your part, hiring manager. The hiring manager is not trained most times. Chances are they've been through a handful of interviews. They don't remember half of them. They don't remember what they liked or don't like, or if they do, they remember all the wrong things. And I'm not beating up on hiring managers. I'm just saying you've not been trained, right? Most times you simply don't know how you're screwing things up. Okay, so you have to get a hold of your hire manager. You have to let that hire manager know when they're a jerk. What? Not only are they pissing off that the candidate in front of them, they are pissing off everybody that candidate knows. And in this world, if you're hiring for someone specialized, chances are it's everybody in your hiring pool, or at least a good portion of them. And don't worry, they'll talk. <laughs> they will. So the hiring manager has to know that their role is not just to decide if this person's a good fit or not, but to also sell the company, sell the opportunity, make that candidate feel, even if they got told no down the road, don't piss them off. This is their, they could still have a lot of value to the company. And most hiring managers don't think about that. They don't have to care about that stuff. That's not in their head, right? So that's where an employer brand lives. It's from all of those actions getting shaped into people's heads. People say, I want to increase the strength of my employer brand and therefore I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, you do one piece of it. That's great. But it's a massive ecosystem by which anybody creates their own perception of that brand. And deciding to focus on one is a good start, but don't pretend for a second that that's the whole enchilada. Don't pretend that doing one thing is going to do it. As much as Glassdoor will tell you how their rating is a, uh, effectively a rating of their, their company and that your employer brand, it's not. Look at other podcasts. And saying, okay, well, like, if that's true, I'm going to focus on Glassdoor. Great. You are also, also leaving other opportunities to influence people's perception of your employer brand on the table. You're also ignoring all the things the hire manager is doing, the recruiter is doing, your marketing is doing, your consumer brand is doing, your Google searches are doing, your job descriptions are doing. All that stuff matters. All of it. And that's the trick with employer brand. It's the weakest link defines the chain. If you are great in a bunch of these, but crap at one point, and God forbid it's the hire manager because that's the most expensive place because you spent all that money getting them to the table and having them bolt at the end of the process and having to hire twice as many people or having to attract twice as many people to get the hire, that's brutal. But any one of those things defines the chain. 
If you have great everything, if you're the world's greatest hiring managers and recruiters, but it turns out when people Google your brand, it talks about clubbing baby seals, yeah, you're done. <laughs> your class door review is not going to fix it. you got to figure out where the problem is. So if you want to fix your employer brand, step one is audit. Understand, go through these big chunks. Do what a candidate does. Ask the candidate where they're learning about you. Ask the candidate what they're finding out about you. Ask the ones who've applied and been rejected. Ask the ones who've been applied and gotten hired. Do your own, pretend you're your own candidate. What would you do? What would you hear? How would, you, how would it frame your thinking? How does it impact? That's how you, you change your employer brand, not by changing a piece, not by buying a vendor's tool, not by doing any one thing, but by doing everything, by making these subtle, these subtle uh, uh, impacts on all of these things. Are, are you as the employer brand manager or director or whatever you're called, are you going to change consumer news? No, but you have to be aware of it. You have to know how people walking and seeing your logo when they show up on that job board have already heard about you from the news or from a consumer interaction. They liked your product. They don't like your product. That matters. And if you does matter, if you do know that everybody hates your product or loves your product, that should shape your thinking on the rest of the process. That's how you think about employer brand. It's a lot of herding cats. It's a lot of moving a lot of little pieces subtly, softly in the right direction to create alignment of what your employer brand is. That's where your employer brand lives. Okay, long one. Sorry, I didn't even realize I was going to go for 27 minutes there. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, you know, usual. Rate me, talk about me on Twitter, ask me questions, the whole good stuff. Like I said, I'm planning on the last, one of the eight or nine episodes before we take a summer break, a hiatus as it were. Yes, I'm coming back. Don't you worry. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get ideas of what you want me to talk about or what you want us to figure out together, right? Because, you know, you're my peoples. Uh, I appreciate that. So thanks so much for listening. I will see you next week. Have a great one. Bye. <laughs>